Now it's good to see everybody that's able to be here tonight and we're just going to uh, turn to the scriptures and we're going to read the, the passage as, as announced. It sounds a bit ominous to say all that John's going to deal with the chapter, uh, but we're certainly going to read it and look to the Lord just to bless us as we think about it together. Revelation and chapter 22. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servant shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads, and there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign for ever and ever. And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which, short, was, which must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had seen and heard them, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel, which showed me these things. Then saith he unto me, See thou, do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book, worship God. And he saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still, and he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commands, and that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates of the city. Your translation in verse 14 may say, Blessed are they that have washed their garments. Uh, verse 15, For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, and the bright and morning star, and the spirit and the bride say come, and let him that heareth say come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will let him take freely, take of the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, 
God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. And he which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now we trust the Lord will bless the reading of these verses. Didn't we read that there is a blessing to the one who reads uh, this, the words of the prophecy of this book? So uh, I, I guess I'm blessed already. Uh, I trust these verses will be a blessing to each one of us. What a fitting epilogue to our Bibles. What a fitting close to the purposes of God uh, as they have been unfolded. And, and we just want to look at these verses tonight. I have the kind of personality, if you don't know me, where I, I usually manage to see both sides of something. Uh, and that's not helpful sometimes when you come to the revelation. Uh, some people are very black and white, and they know exactly what's going to happen, and they know when it's going to happen, and they know who it's going to happen to, uh, and, and some of them know who the mark of the who the beast is going to be, and, and some of them know what the colour of his hair is. Well, maybe not quite as clearly as that, but but I, I am I am not that preacher tonight, and I don't have all the answers. Uh, but I do have a very simple outlook on the revelation. Uh, and, and just to tell you how I feel we've arrived at chapter 22. Uh, I, I believe in the opening three chapters uh, is the church age. Uh, and that is the age that we're living in. And, and, and the apostle is told to write unto these churches. Uh, I believe in chapter Four or the beginning of chapter five is it when the door is open to heaven and John is told to come up hither? I, I believe that is the church uh, being removed from earth at that time, uh, and so the church is raptured, and from that time onwards the church uh, is in heaven, and on earth uh, events are recorded where seals are opened and trumpets are sounded, and there are judgments and great tribulation. Uh, and so there is the meeting in the air uh, is the first great event that we're looking forward to uh, and then after these days of tribulation there is going to be a marriage so not only a meeting in heaven but there's going to be a marriage and we read about that in chapter 19 the marriage of the Lamb and blessed are they that are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb uh, and then following the marriage of the Lamb in heaven uh, there is going to be a manifestation uh, and we read of the Lord Jesus coming in glory with the armies of heaven. Uh, and what a glorious scene that will be, and you'll have considered that. Uh, and then, uh, it works out well for me in my, my uh, addiction to alliteration, because then there's going to be a thousand year reign, and we call that the millennial reign of Christ. So we go from the manifestation to the millennial reign of Christ. A thousand years, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to reign on this earth and, and that is a wonderful truth and, and we really shouldn't take up time on that tonight but what a wonderful truth and then the final judgment and then tonight we've arrived and we've arrived in the metropolis or we've arrived in the city we've arrived in the eternal city uh, and so that's how we've arrived at where we are tonight I believed uh, there are two main sections in the passage that I've read tonight 
Uh, and in, in the first five verses, verses 1 to 5, we read of a coming city. Uh, and so the coming city is in view. And then in verses 6 to 21, uh, now this is very general, I, I know, uh, and I don't want to oversimplify it, but we have the coming Saviour. And so right away at the start of the meeting tonight, this is a chapter that should remind us of the wonderful hope that we have as believers. You know, I trust that all our believers in the meeting tonight, what a wonderful hope we have, that we have a home in heaven. You know, that city, four square, and we have a home in heaven, and we have a hope of a saviour that is coming soon. And just to remind us, and if nothing else in the meeting this evening, if we can just reaffirm that truth to all of us here tonight, that Jesus is coming and that we are going home, and just to grasp that tonight. As I was meditating on this, I just scribbled down, you know, I, 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 the, the words of Peter came to me that, that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ has, according to his abundant mercy, he's caused us to be gotten again unto a living hope. And we have a living hope. And just as I was thinking, I wrote down that we are so affected by the influence of the world around us, by the disordered desires of the flesh within, and the incessant, insidious attacks of our adversary, the devil, that our hope can become dim and diluted and we can seem to live as if the present world is all there is. Is that just me, my brother and sister, this evening? Or is that just possible that our hearts can lose sight of the glorious hope that is ours? You know, we, we, we used to sing in Bible class days through the gates of the city, in a robe of spotless white, I shall, I shall go where the tears will never fall. In the glad song of ages, I shall mingle with delight. We used to sing it lustily. We used to sing it heartily. You know, we used to sing face to face with Christ my Saviour. Face to face, what will it be? I wonder, you know, if, if we really have that hope in our hearts. And just as we read these verses tonight, may, may the living hope that we have just be stirred up among us. And so in these first five verses, uh, we are thinking of the eternal city of God. And, and if you were to underline a kind of theme in the city in these five verses, uh, I would ask you to notice in verse 1 and in verse 3, we are told there is a throne. So we are now coming to the centre of the city. I know you were in the city last week, but we are now in the centre of the city. And we are now at the throne. And it's the throne of God and of the Lamb. And you'll notice in the last verse, they shall reign, they will reign forever and ever. And so this is eternal truths that we have here. Uh, and this is the truth of the eternal city and the eternal state I would judge. We have the eternal reign of of the throne of God and of the Lamb in that city. And, and so it's wonderful just to think of the eternal city in these first five verses. Another thing that we should notice as we read these verses is that we have Eden or paradise restored. 
And we're going to see that as we read the verses. Uh, you know, you'll remember that, that there was uh, a river in Eden. And there was a tree of life in Eden. And, and you'll remember that God pronounced a curse uh, in Eden. And you'll remember that man was barred from the, from the presence and the cherubim with the flaming sword prevented man coming back into Eden. And paradise was lost, in the words of Milton. But here, in his follow-up, in the epilogue, paradise is regained. And all of these things are wonderfully restored. And so it's good uh, just to think of that uh, as we think of this eternal city. Now... We're not going to get bogged down in things like this tonight. But some would say, well, is this the millennial city or is this the eternal city? Uh, Well, my answer tonight, having explained my personality, the answer tonight is yes. Uh, So so there you go. Uh, uh, Mr. Ryrie uh, has, you know, perhaps the best way to understand this entire section is to regard the New Jerusalem as the abode of the redeemed of all ages, whether the millennial age or the eternal state, uh, you know, we're going to be at home in the eternal city. And so here we are in the eternal city. Uh, So let's just think of these first five verses uh, briefly. We'll just try and go down the chapter as as swiftly and and as clearly as we can. Uh, And I want you to notice some things in... I don't know if there's anyone here... uh, I'm not saying I'm the oldest person here, but... I'm remembering uh, a conference meeting in Inverurie, and the speakers were uh, Robert McFeet of Mayfield and Alan Gamble uh, of Glasgow. And I'm speaking now, I'm almost going to say almost 40 years ago, and I remember our brother Robert McFeet reading these verses. Now you'll understand, I must have just been about 12 or something like that. Uh, but I remember Robert McFeet saying, in this city there is perfect redemption. There's no more curse. Uh, and he says there's perfect resemblance. You know, their names will be in his forehead. And I can't remember all these headings, but when I started writing down my headings, it caused me to to remember that meeting uh, and the impression it made on me as a, a young man, just getting an interest in spiritual things. And so I want you to notice the perfect things that are in this city. There is a perfect river. Notice that in verse 1. He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal. crystal. And so, uh, in verse 1, we have the pure river. Uh, and, and that just reminds us that Eden is restored. We've spoken already, you know, in Genesis 2 and 12, as, as Eden is being described, the garden that the Lord planted, and a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from thence it was parted and became four heads. Uh, there is also a river in Ezekiel, and that is a, a river in the millennial age, and that is not the same river as the river we read of here. This is the river that is flowing not from the temple, the millennial temple, but is throwing from the throne of God and of the Lamb in the eternal city. And it is an absolutely perfect and pure river. Uh, and so that is, is just something of the truth of the, 
the, the water of life that is flowing freely in that place and, and it is pure and it is clear as crystal uh, you know I was just thinking when I thought of that that the cities of this world many of them are associated with rivers uh, you know you go to Paris and you, you have the, the river Seine that, that flows through it uh, and, and you go to you know other cities uh, my, my mind's just gone blank but uh, you know Peterhead's got the Yugi uh, so the, the river Yugi and Peterhead the Don and the Dee in Aberdeen the river Thames uh, the Ganges uh, the Nile you know uh, cities that are associated and countries that are associated with rivers I don't know how many of those rivers you would stoop down and drink from uh, today uh, maybe very few you know it's marked by the pollution and it just speaks of the pollution and the corruption of a fallen world but here in the eternal city there is a pure perfect river perhaps it speaks of the, the rivers of water that the Lord Jesus spoke of you know the, the spirit of God and the water of life and it is freely flowing and freely available uh, Dr. Constable in his commentary I think he must have the same personality as me he writes that the pure river seems to be symbolic of the refreshment and sustenance that God provides uh, through eternal life and then at the end of the sentence he says though like the city itself it's probably also a literal river uh, so it's symbolic and it's literal uh, again we're not getting bogged down in that tonight it's the eternal city everything's perfect is the thought in that eternal day and then in verse 2 we have the perfect resource you know that river beside that river uh, is the tree of life uh, and that tree is not like the trees of this world that bring forth its fruit in its season you know at a time of the year but, but the tree of life in that city bear twelve manner of fruits and yields its fruit every month perhaps a different crop being produced every month and so it just speaks of the, the wonderful resource that God is providing. And the trees, the leaves of that tree is for the healing of the nation. Now, this is the eternal city. And it's not that there are sickness in the nations there. But it, it, it is just symbolic language speaking of the, the word for healing there. It's the word that we would get our English word therapy or therapeutic from. Uh, and it is the thought of the well-being that is associated with the eternal city. And so we have the perfect river that flows through it. And we have the perfect resource, the, the tree of life. And, and we shouldn't get confused. You know, it yields its fruit every month. And so you might be saying, well, I thought we were in the eternal state. Why are we speaking about months? The, the writer is using language that we will understand about the perpetual resource of God in that place I'm hoping you won't all be queuing at the door to correct me uh, tonight about these things but, but you know it's the perfection let me just try and emphasize that the perfection of the eternal state the, the, the pure river and the perfect resource of God and then in verse 3 notice there shall be no more curse Again we see the perfect redemption that we see in that place, that the curse has been removed. You'll remember in Genesis 14 when God could say to the serpent, Thou art cursed, 
above all cattle and their curse is pronounced on Satan and on on animal life perhaps and and then unto Adam he said because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree cursed be the ground for thy sake and so there is a curse on the ground Uh, and we see the effects of that Uh, and we are under the curse of the law or we were you know cursed is everyone who does not continue in the words of the law Uh, and so there is the curse of sin that marks each one of us Uh, and we know that we know that we live in a broken world and we know that the ground men are desperate today to try and save the planet aren't they but you see creation is groaning in Romans chapter 8 and we are groaning you know we're just getting to that age when we know what that is about you know we're unless you're Paul Coxell and you're still running as if you were in your teens most of us Mortals are feeling our age and our aches and our pains and we are a groaning creation and it's because of the curse. In the day thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die and, and, and in that eternal city this is what we hope for. This is our living hope. There shall be no more curse and every trace of the curse will be Removed, and it just speaks about the absolute blessedness of this city. There's absolutely no trace of Adam's sin, Satan's rebellion, and all failures that are associated with it. Perfect redemption, perfect reverence. Notice in the next section that his servants shall serve him. And just to think of the reverence of these servants, the word is slaves. And one commenter, commentator has said that, you see, in heaven, you know, it's not like some of these pictures that you see that we're sitting on clouds with harps doing nothing, but we are serving God in eternity. We will eternally, eternally be his servants and his slaves. And so we have the thought of his servants serving him. And the word to serve there, it is the word for religious service, Uh, perhaps even for worship Uh, it is the word that is used in Hebrews in the New Testament when the writer is referring to the Levitical sacrifices and so it is the word for religious service or worship and just to think in that city his servants they will serve him it's going to be a perfect city and and his servants don't, don't you just wish that you could serve the Lord better than you do. Don't, don't you just feel at the end of a Lord's day, and, and maybe when you come to that certain decades in life, don't you just feel that you've just done so little, and your service has been so inconsistent, and, and it's been so up and down, and there's coming a day when his servant shall serve him. Perfect reverence. Uh, and not only so but perfect resemblance his name shall be on their foreheads Uh, I judge that that is they are absolutely identified with him and so they are like him Uh, and it just reminds us that it does not yet appear what what we are what we shall be but when he shall appear we shall see him as he is and we shall be like him and how wonderful to think that we are going to be 
like the Lord Jesus and that one day that we will see his face. I think it's lovely just to see the link between seeing and likeness. And it's like that with us, you know, as we view the glory of the Lord, we are changed into the same likeness, the same image from glory to glory, and just that we might be more like him, because one day we shall be like him. And one day we shall see his face. Uh, That man, Job, after all that he suffered, he could say, I know that my Redeemer lives. And I know that though worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh I shall see God. And he says, I shall see him for myself, uh, and not another. Uh, And just to think they shall see his face. By and by, when I look on his face, I will wish I had given him more. Not like Absalom, you'll remember Absalom. He, he, was in the, he was banished, he was exiled, and, and eventually David relented and took him back to the city. And so he's in the city, but it says he shall not see my face. And for three years he was in the city, and it says he saw not the king's face. Not like that in this city. His servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be written on their foreheads. As for me, the psalmist could say, as for me, I shall behold thy face in righteousness, and I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. Perfect rest, there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, verse 5, neither light of the sun, and so I just think of that as perfect rest. I think every saint in the meeting tonight of a certain age at least Uh, you know I'm excluding the children perhaps but most will have known what it is to have a restless night most will remember nights when it was the the last thing you thought before you went to sleep and and the first thing you thought of when you got up and it was just a a burden that you've had to bear and pass through and and the night season was just so long And in the darkness of the night, weeping may endure for a night, but there shall be no night there. We have a hymn, I don't know if it's in any other hymn book, but Peter Head used Sankey in the Gospel meeting. It's hymn number number 1012, if I remember. And and the verse goes like this, "In, In the land of fadeless day lies a city four square it shall never pass away and there is no night there and the chorus says God shall wipe away all tears there's no death no pain nor fears and they count not time by years and there is no night there perfect rest to me is promised in my father's house above and so it is the eternal city and there is perfect rest in that place no more night no more sea no more death no more curse and there's no night there and then it is the perfect rain in that city and so the the throne of God and of the Lamb and and commentators tell us Jim Allen is very helpful tells us that the throne of God and of the Lamb it's not two thrones it is one throne 
and the Lord Jesus at the end of that millennial reign he's given the kingdom to God and now they are, they are reigning, God is reigning and it is the throne of God and of the Lamb and they shall reign forever and ever and so we have the eternal city uh, time is moving too fast we've, we've got five verses done uh, the, the next section uh, I want you to notice the recurring of the thought of the sayings of this book or, or this book uh, and so the, the next section uh, just from verse 6 down to verse 11 it's the thought of it's the thought of the the word of God and and the the thought of the book and if you were just drawing a circle there in your Bible you would see that the repetition of that section there these sayings verse six these sayings are faithful and true uh, and so we have the word of God the word of God and it is true and faithful so just be encouraged tonight that the word of God is true and faithful. And we can rest upon it. Uh, and that is the thought there. So we have the, the thought of the word of God in verses 6 and 7. And just the fact that it is true. They are trustworthy and true. Uh, the, the, the emphasis is on the Lord God of the spirits of the prophets. It's speaking of the God who inspired his word. The God who has spoken in the scriptures. And so what we have tonight in our hands. Uh, and what we are able to read from. God is speaking to us and it is true and it is faithful and, it, and we can rest upon it. Not only is it true but it is to be kept. Uh, in verse 22 and verse, uh, chapter 22 and verse 7 Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. The thought of keeping there is the thought of of the, the personal application of the truth in our lives it is, it is the influence that the word of God has in our lives if we keep it the, the, we are living by it if you will and so the word of God is true and the word of God is to be kept in verses 6 and 7 let's move on in verses 8 and 9 we have now the worship of God and John He's made this mistake before, hasn't he? He's falling down at the feet of the angel to worship. Uh, and he is told, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you. Uh, worship God. Uh, and so just a reminder to John that God alone is to be worshipped. Uh, won't say too much about that. Just a, a very practical thing that it is possible. We are creatures that have been made to worship. But our worship should be directed to the Lord Jesus or to God. And we should be very careful because there is the temptation, you see, God is worshipping the messenger. God is worshipping the minister, if you will. And we need to be very careful that we can be susceptible to that. That we do not worship men. We do not erect shrines to men. Uh, you know, we thank God for the help that his ministers are to us and I wouldn't detract from that for a minute but let's not put men on pedestals and let's not bow down and worship them because before you know it we are saying I, have, um, I am of Apollos and I am of Cephas uh, and so a practical application 
Uh, you'll remember that time when Cornelius came for Peter and you'll remember that, that Cornelius fell down to worship Peter and Peter could say see thou do it not mind you that's maybe tempting for a minister of God's word isn't it when he, when he knows something of that adulation and that praise uh, may we be delivered from all of that and, and then John is told in verses 10 and 11 in relation to the words that he is not to seal them up and, and the reason for that is because the time is near uh, and so I just want to apply the thought there that John is told look don't this is, shouldn't be a closed book this is something that needs to be communicated this is something that needs to be made known and there is the practical application of that verse this evening that we are to make the message known make the message clear and plain and John will tell us the reason for that he'll be told the reason for that let him that is unjust be unjust still and let him that is evil be evil still and so the idea I think is not, not like Daniel who was told to seal up the words of his prophecy because the time wasn't near but John the time is near and the thought of this you know remaining in, in the condition is that decisions made in this life will determine eternal destinies and so make it known don't seal up the message make it known and remind people that the decisions they make in time if they remain unjust they will be unjust in eternity the work of God and then the final section is from verse uh, 12 to the end of the chapter I would judge and, and the thought is the coming of Christ behold I am coming soon in verse 12 and my recompense is with me so the thought of his coming you'll have noticed perhaps it's underlined in your Bible three occasions in the chapter in this, in this, in this section where we read the words behold I am coming soon behold I come quickly and the thought of the coming of the Lord Jesus and you might say well what does that mean, I'm coming soon? This was written 2,000 years ago, uh, and the Lord Jesus still hasn't come. What, what, you know, you, you might be forgiven for being confused, but, but the, thought of, the thought of soon there is not that the coming of the Lord is going to be immediate, but that the coming of the Lord is imminent, meaning it could happen at any time. And the thought of soon or quickly is the thought of suddenly. And so, before I close in prayer tonight, the seats might be empty. In the twinkling of an eye, and we'd all be changed. And we'd be in the city, and we'd be saying, Oh, John was right, look at the city, that's what it is like. <laughs> it could happen as quickly as that. Behold, I come quickly. And so the early believers... <coughs> lived in light of the fact that Jesus could come at any moment and oh that we could grasp that in our daily lives that he could come at any time and it would cause us to live behold I am coming soon and not only so but my reward is with me and so there is going to be a, an assessment and there is going to be a reward uh, and the judgment seat of Christ will take place at the, the coming of Christ for the believer and so we haven't time to really go into that but it's the thought the Lord Jesus 
spoke a parable in Luke 19 about a, a nobleman who went into a far country and before he went he called his ten servants and he gave them each a pound and he said occupy till I come and then when he returned from that far country they, they were brought to him and he said what have you done with your pound and you'll remember the parable well, well my pound has gained ten pounds and my pound has gained five pounds and well Lord I just wrapped my one up in a napkin and I just buried it and here it is look and oh that we might be preserved from that that we might occupy until the Lord Jesus comes and so we have the coming of Christ in verse 12 in verses 13 to 15 we have the character of Christ uh, time is swiftly going let me go through this really quickly uh, the character of Christ he is the beginning and the end he's the first and the last he's the Alpha and Omega and that's wonderful to think of his deity you know to think of his absolute deity uh, and, and then to, to read in verse 16 I Jesus and to think of his wonderful and perfect humanity and to think that he's the root and the descendant of David and, and in relation to Israel he's the root and descendant of David and he's the bright and morning star in relation to the church if you will and so we have the character of Christ in these verses and then we have the call of Christ in verse 17 the spirit and the bride say come and let him who hears say come and let the one who is thirsty come it's the day of God's grace and all who will may come and drink freely it is the call of Christ and then we have the caution of Christ in verses 18 and 19 the warning uh, not to take away from the sayings of the book and not to add to the sayings of this book and then in verse 20 as we close we have the confirmation of Christ uh, he has said twice already behold I come quickly and notice in verse 20 he says surely surely I come quickly or I am coming soon uh, and so there is the affirmation the strong affirmation of Christ surely I come quickly the, the thought of I am coming soon I come quickly the thought of that is is uh, well, I noticed it was the present indicative middle. Uh, and it didn't help me because I, I just didn't know what that meant. Uh, but I know that the present Greek tense is the thought of, you know, it's as if it's already happening. It's, it's a continuous thing. Uh, and, and so the Lord Jesus is saying that, that you know, he's on his way. Uh, just to think of it like that, he's on his way. Uh, and and just to think of the, the certainty of it and the fact of it and to think that it is quickly, speedily, uh, with haste or suddenly and then the wonderful benediction at the end the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with all. Amen. And so we've got to the end of the chapter. We had a, a bit of a race in the last section there but I trust enough has been said from God's word tonight to be to the blessing and to the benefit of the Lord's people this evening to remind us of the hope that is ours to remind us of a city and that we might be like Abraham 
and that we might realize that here we have no abiding city but we seek the coming one and we look for a city whose builder and maker is God and not only so but we look for the saviour the soon coming saviour trust the Lord will bless his word to each one of us this evening shall we pray our father as we bow in thy presence this evening at the close of our meeting we acknowledge our weakness in relation to fully understanding thy purposes and thy ways but we thank thee for scriptures that have been read tonight that tell us of the hope of every believer and we just pray for help tonight to have that assurance in our hearts the sure and certain hope that is ours and to so order our lives in light of the soon coming of our Lord Jesus we ask for help in this our Father we pray thy blessing upon each believer here tonight we commit them to thee and to the word of thy grace and we just give thanks tonight for the Lord Jesus and for thy precious word and and seek thy blessing upon it and we ask it in the Saviour's name Amen